senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 66. Yes. And we are back in Boston. We uh, are. After attending day two of C2E2 2015 yesterday, uh, we were not able to tape yesterday. We were not able to tape this morning <laughs> because we had a 6 a.m. flight, which I do not recommend. Ask, <laughs> me, ask me what 3.30 this morning looks like. Um, I know what it looks like because I got up at two fifty-five <laughs> and watched you see what it looks like. It's, I mean, the thing is doable, and it's it's great to be home early, so that basically we could come home and collapse for four or five hours. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I went to bed relatively early last night. Because see, the problem with yesterday is if you listen to the last episode, uh, you know that I became quite ill. Uh, after day one of C2E2, uh, felt better yesterday. We were able to get to the convention. I could not make a full day of it. Uh, and we... it sounds like it may not necessarily have been food poisoning as you previously thought, because at least one person, Chip Zdarsky, yeah, on Chips, Twitter... Chips, it, well, <laughs> yeah, he, he tweeted this morning that he wasn't going to be able to make any of his commitments because he was sick. He didn't give any details and Amazingly, Chip doesn't return my phone calls. So, I'm, <laughs> but there might be some flavor of con crud going around. Uh, yeah, uh, an intestinal uh, con crud. Yeah. But so, if anybody else out there gets this after C two E two, we're sorry. Yeah. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it incubated. <laughs> now nah, in... you're patient zero, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have played with that monkey outside the convention center. <laughs> Son of a bitch. But so, yeah. I mean, we. <laughs> And it was a combination of I thought I was feeling better, you know, actually had some breakfast and like an idiot. I still think it was food poisoning because we went to the same restaurant. And again, I, I don't want to say what it is, but I figured, okay, you know, I'll get pancakes. Pancakes are kind of bland if I don't over syrup them. It's just starch and sugar. I should be able to keep them down. And I could until I got to the third pancake and just this fat black hair oh, is staring at me so well. after my third bite. Just I think I'm done. So the combination of just not feeling awesome just from seeing that and not feeling great. We we did the best we could. We managed to do about four or five hours and, and hit a couple panels. So um, I will say we, we did, as much as we've railed against this for San Diego um, Comic-Con, we did cave and go to the food court. So we ate lunch at the convention on the second day. We got like these giant burritos that cost like $10 a piece. Yeah, even though mine was basically, uh, yeah, just give me uh, chicken and <laughs> cheese because that shouldn't kill me and might uh, plug certain things. Yeah, they... Uh, it, Despite being wildly overpriced for what it was, it was actually quite tasty. Well, a little it, leathery on the actual tortilla front, but well, I mean, it sort of had to be because McCormick Place, unlike the San Diego Convention Center, isn't obviously fucking near anything. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't have known where to leave there and on foot get to some place beyond maybe a subway. Right. Uh, you know, in less than half an hour. So yeah, it was a good thing that the food there was decent, but. It almost had no choice. Now, if you do 
if you do listen to this and say, oh, well, that's good to hear because I'm going to San... Yeah, if you eat at the San Diego Convention Center, you are a sucker and you deserve what happens to you. Yeah. A $10... Burger. Yeah, a $10 Sadness burger. burger. Yeah, a seven fifty slice of pizza that's mostly ragu and I think they make it on a Ritz cracker crust of some sort. <laughs> it's just awful. But if, if you have to do something at McCormick Place, you can at least eat there. Yes. And I don't believe that made me any sicker, which was nice. But but yeah, day two was, you know, we commented on yesterday's show that day one was not bad and there was plenty of moon, room to move around and you could actually approach people. That was not the case yesterday. It was much more yeah. of a zoo. It, very much a zoo. And um, Jimmy Palmiotti tweeted pictures of the crowd lining up before 10 o'clock yeah, when we they opened. We mentioned that yesterday and yeah, there was a significant line as of like 8.30. Yeah. It was, yeah, and when I say a zoo, it wasn't, you know... It wasn't Saturday at San Diego right. type of zoo where you know, the analogy I always use is you kind of have to stutter walk around like you're trying not to attract a sandworm. <laughs> but but definitely, I'd say Friday at San Diego or, or Saturday at Boston where definitely crowded, huge number of cosplayers, yes. like more than I think I've seen at any convention that we've been to. It felt like almost every third person had some kind of costume on well it was it was a lot of um and it's hard to tease this out in san diego in san diego uh possibly in part not to play into stereotypes because it's california there's a lot of really beautiful people cosplaying (laughs) you in in san diego are you ugly shaming no i'm not no that's not that's actually not where i'm going so i'm saying it's, it's hard to tease out in san diego the ones that are there because they're they're professional cosplayers (laughs) <laughs> right, they're they're trying to show their costuming skills to get a gig. Yeah, um, versus versus the fans because there's a lot of really great fan made stuff as well. Just that's true, straight up fan made stuff. In in Chicago, I felt like there was just a lot of fan love, like <laughs> yeah, which is cool. Yeah, um, it, it is a little jarring when you're kind of used to the San Diego. <laughs> You know, but, oh, well, I, I cast this, uh, I made a cast of my body and uh, poured it out into latex and let it cure for eight days. And then I hand painted it with an airbrush to create this beautiful, ready for the movies Batwoman costume. Right. And to go from that to, uh, yeah, I got some red jeans and a red t shirt. And, and sh- But it's, it's still cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Clearly they're having a blast. Yeah. But, you know, and <laughs> again, the other thing. We talked yesterday about the ready availability of beer at C2E2. Yeah. There so, was, you go ahead. What I say, so, so in the case of, of one particular cosplayer who had a, a fascinating and, and beautifully professionally put together uh, Sith costume. Yeah, not any particular Sith. No, this was clearly a character of his design. He's clearly a Star Wars nut. Yeah, it was like a re- reptilian body armor looking plated bit and a very elaborate headpiece that was um, golden kind of metal work. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was really well put together. Yeah, and um, filigree almost. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, one of the light up lightsabers, like you know, Amanda, you and I have them. You know, the the Star Wars replicas, and they're neat and they make noise and they let. But this is clearly one of the ones. And there was a, a booth there that made them, a, yes. a handmade, you know, not one of the lightsaber hilts that you see in the movie. The dude clearly loved and invented this character. 
and, and and thanks to the beer thanks to the beer not from us <laughs> we know better than number one to drink at the convention because your legs are the first thing to go and then your sanity is second we just saw you know it, it and and I'll, I'll i'll put this out there c2e2 went out of their way to put up very visible cosplay is not consent be cool to each other kind of signs oh they were they were everywhere. everywhere. They were on the programs. They were on the app that you could put on your phone. You could not escape the message. Of- and and this guy, I'm not sure if if he was just um, lacking social skills, and that was aided and abetted by the at least two beers he had had because he had a beer cup within a beer cup. Right. It, dude, who are you? Oh my! What are what are you? What what, what, oh, what are you, man? What, <laughs> it's just, oh man like, I, i'm like i'm embarrassed for you like the dude from the big lebowski but with zero charisma <laughs> yeah and and while my hope is that he was asking it out of genuine curiosity my other fear was he paid 25 dollars to come in and, and drink beer and look at the freaks yeah just a meathead yeah <laughs> i mean which which you get in san diego and you, you get up to a certain point in boston but san diego is just so centrally located where yeah, if you want to be a douche and and just hate on cosplayers, there's a million places where you can sit at outdoor restaurants and just heckle. Do it for free. Yeah, which is just the worst to see. This was not on that level because there was, was enough. Still cringe inducing. There was enough of a question as to maybe he was just yeah half hammered and generally uh, I don't recognize this. But yeah, just, what what are you, man? And this is this poor son of a bitch. Has to stand in an aisle and explain this character of his own creation. Yeah. So. And and you could see possibly because of the, the inebriation, only about a third of what the kid was trying to explain to the drunk dude was sticking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dude did not abide. The dude was a douche. Yeah. But. So. But there wasn't a ton of that. That was the only obvious potential. You know, that we yeah, observed rubbernecking douchebaggery <laughs> that that we observed, but you know, because also we didn't spend nearly as much time on the floor, just because yeah, we we made an effort to go to panels and we did some time on the floor, but we tried very hard to do most of our purchasing on Friday. But <laughs> the one fucking thing I wanted to get, and I, I decided I was going to wait until Saturday because I didn't want to haul around half a creation all of Friday. I'm like, great, we'll get all this stuff. And one of the things that's been on my list. Purely because of reading uh, Copra, yeah, which is graphic novels based on pastiches of 80s Suicide Squad. I've got a few Suicide Squad issues that I bought in the 80s, but I don't have anything remotely close to a complete run. So Copra spiked my interest in that book. And my local comic store really doesn't have any, so I figured, all right, we'll go to C2E2. I'll pick up some Suicide Squad issues. Now, yeah. Maybe I can put together a run of like the first 24 or 48 or whatever. And I decided not to do it on Friday. I'll do it on Saturday. And on Friday, that's the day that they released the picture of Jared Leto as the Joker <laughs> from the Suicide Squad movie. I'm like, motherfucker. As ever with the good timing. I went to five different comic retail booths and could not find any Suicide Squad that wasn't from the New 52. Yeah. And if I had found them, it, I guarantee they would have gone from five bucks a piece to 25 a piece after that picture came out. Yeah. But... You got to meet Kyle Higgins, which was cool I did. for you. That was very cool. Um, Kyle Higgins is is currently promoting his creator owned book, Cowl, right now, um, which I'm working on catching up on. 
I really wanted to talk to him from just a pure like squee fangirl place because he has written one of my favorite runs on Deathstroke to date that was in my opinion terminated far too early at issue nine terminated <laughs> get it <laughs> but um and I've, I've written about it on on the site if you go back into some of the older reviews just discussing Deathstroke from the perspective of an aging and yet still very sharp professional who is dealing with all these damn kids yeah and as <laughs> trying to get into his field and as a, a couple of people who are in generation x and in middle age in particular with you that struck a chord it certainly did with me but you just latched on to that uh, run yeah and, and it was solid and 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 um Kyle Higgins, as we were talking about it, and I'm trying not to like gush and be socially awkward and be that girl. Yeah, we did not present within the realm of an interview or anything. It was no. just a couple fans talking to a creator. But uh, I, I, I went to one of the um, comics booths. I couldn't find a, an issue one, so I had to settle for an issue two because my issue two is in storage. Um, well, let's face it. As much as uh, you in particular enjoyed that run, it's not worth dick. But apparently, it was worth six dollars when I bought it. Yeah, okay. Um, but where I was going with this was... We only got room for $25 books in the house, baby. Oh, okay. Um, the yeah, So I, I present him with issue two, and he's like, so you must have really enjoyed the final scene at, at the end of issue one. And it's like, oh, I did. Because the, at the end of issue one, it, Deathstroke just dispatches these awful children that are trying to get into the assassination field with ju just such malice of forethought and gore. It's, <laughs> it's so satisfying. <laughs> it's much more satisfying than when I tried to break into the assassination <laughs> business in 1993 and they just said, son, you're too drunk. You're drunk right now. <laughs> so you, you went to... Um... Catch your rising star. And <laughs> yeah, basically. And then they closed. I ruined businesses. The assassination <laughs> game went way down after I tried to get in and I killed stand-up comedy. But so and, it was... and FM Rock Radio. <laughs> Podcasts will be done in the next six months. You ruiner. I, I ruin things. But yeah, so it was really cool meeting Kyle Higgins. And I, I appreciated that time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's... Uh, the Cowl book I, I hadn't read before, but it, it was interesting. It was the perfect time to get it. Because it's based in, it's the idea is that in 1940s Chicago, superheroes unionized, yeah, in order to protect Chicago. And this is in 19. This takes place in 1960s Mayor Daley Chicago, it, and just having actually been there and getting a sense yeah. of the geography in the town a little bit, it was the perfect time to read it. So. That's definitely going on. I got to finish up the trade, and and if issues are still coming out, yes. I, I got to put that on my polls. Um, and you can let our local comic book store owner know. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so, as an aside, that was one of the coolest parts for me of uh, being in Chicago was looking at this iconic skyline that I've only ever seen, you know, in in movies or on television. Or as has been depicted. I've only ever seen the Blues Brothers destroying a large part of it. <laughs> um, but well, no, because you had a couple of moments like, oh yeah, the, you know, that in in the Dark Knight movie, Batman stood there. Like, <laughs> that is true. That is very true. So it was it was really cool to see this architecture, which is familiar and yet not. Um, living living in the Boston area, we're used to a particular skyline with a lot of 
Mostly little squat buildings. <laughs> yeah, little squat buildings, and you know, yeah, we've got the Prudential Tower and the John Hancock Tower. Yeah, so punctuated by a couple of skyscrapers, but nothing, uh, nothing on the scale of like a Sears Tower. I'm sorry, Willis Tower. Um, <laughs> no, fuck you. Even I know it's the Sears Tower. We didn't go there, but I've heard if you ask a local where to find the Willis Tower, they may spit on you. <laughs> Don't follow it up by saying you want ketchup on your hot dog, for the love of God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But yeah, it's the convention itself, while I wish I was in better health to see more of it and that we didn't have to leave so early so that we had to miss Sunday, it was just something that was unavoidable. It was definitely a solid convention. It was yeah. definitely a level up from Boston. And like I said in yesterday's show, they clearly have the space to expand it if it catches Absolutely. on. You know, the, the, the other tricky part, and this is nothing anything anybody controlled, the weather was just shit. <laughs> it was just terrible every day, except for Friday. The Friday, Friday was pretty good. But you know, we were there two or three days earlier, and then into Saturday. I mean, Jesus! Yesterday, it was <laughs> pissing rain and like forty-two degrees. Yeah, and, and we checked the weather before we left, and it said none of this, so we were completely unprepared. On Friday, I had to buy a ridiculously overpriced. The first hooded sweatshirt I've owned <laughs> since I was nineteen years old. But at least it's got Batman on it, so I don't feel terrible about it. But and it was the only way I could even survive trying to get to and from anywhere outside the convention center. And it, that's a risk that you run in a northern state if you're going to have it in April. Yeah, there's absolutely. Just, there's no way around it. You know, part of what historically made San Diego such a big deal was San Diego has beautiful, non-humid climate and they have it in July, <laughs> and for years, frankly, until a couple of weeks ago, comics publishing was in New York, and New York in July is like swimming through the sweat of a fat man. It's just horrible. <laughs> so people would go there because it's like, this is an excuse to get the fuck out of New York for a couple of days. Yeah. I'm not sure you're going to get anybody saying, you know, particularly with D.C. and California now, yeah, let's go to Chicago when it, it might fucking snow on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly they they had folks there to represent them, um, but it was sort of weird to be at a convention where there were DC panels without a presence by Dan DiDio or Jim Lee. Yeah. But or, it's, or Jeff Johns. <laughs> the reality is we're we're spoiled. We were fortunate for the last nine years to be able to go to the biggest the, the big show, the but, biggest show in the world. But basically. even in Boston, Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns came. <laughs> Let's be fair and try not to be indelicate. They came after they had to reschedule Boston Comic Con from April. True. Because the city was in lockdown looking for a mad bomber. This is true. Boston got a lot of moral support the first year they moved it to July and August, which as a Bostonian was fucking awesome. Yeah. They didn't show up last year. They're not going to show up this year. Maybe. <laughs> Anything's possible, I guess. They they just, uh, Boston Comic Con just emailed out another batch of uh, artists that are showing up. So it's possible. Boston's growing. Yeah. But yeah, it's still not at the level of Chicago. Chicago is bigger. It was it had more programming, generally more fun. It, it's potentially on our list to go back next year if we can plan it a little earlier yeah. and make it a little cheaper. We're still going to shoot for San Diego because there's nothing like the big show. No, but. absolutely. But I, I will say this: um, shout out again to the uh, 
the convention organizers for their panel programming. While I didn't get to as many things as I would have liked to have for you know a variety of reasons, the ones that I was able to get into, the lines were well organized. Um, they they didn't pull the BS move of trying to clear rooms after panels. They had enough room to have panels oh, with, definitely. with good sight lines. And that's an area in which... I, to, uh, the, the most charitable way I can refer to it for Boston, it's an area of need. <laughs> it's an area of need for That's Boston. That's the nicest way of saying clusterfuck I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in Boston, they try and clear the room after every panel, which means you can't get a flow. So you've got you know, a mass of people leaving a panel and trying frantically to get in line for the next one, and you don't know where the lines are. Yeah. And part of that is the venue. The Seaport World Trade Center is one of the bigger convention rooms in Boston, but it doesn't have a lot of panel room space. Yeah. You know, whereas Chicago, the interesting thing to me was, yeah, the lines were great, and they moved pretty well. We were able to get into a couple panels yesterday, and the first one we tried to get into, the the Marvel Secret Wars last days, we got in line pretty late. It was yeah. only about 15 minutes or was it even 15 minutes before it, was it started? about 15 minutes before it started. And uh, yeah, we're, we're still able to get right in. There was plenty of space. Um, they seated people right into the end. The weird thing that I've not seen anywhere else is in every panel that we went to, as soon as the question and answer started, people started bailing out. I've never seen that. I, that seemed to be particularly egregious during the Marvel one. The Mar- yeah, the, the Secret Wars Last Days panel, half the room left. Yeah. Fully half the room. And the panel after that, which we stayed for, was DC's Batman panel, where the room filled right the fuck back up. You'd think there'd be some crossover between... There I'm was interested a small in- handful of us that stayed between the two. Yeah, it was maybe 50 people. Yeah. Maybe. So we moved right up to the front. It was awesome. But it's just... I, I've never seen a convention crowd that said, okay, I have seen the prepared remarks. I don't give a fuck what anybody's asking. I got no questions. I'm leaving. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I'm not sure what other panels were happening concurrently. Uh, they may have been trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. Because yeah, we, like with every other convention we go to, if it was about TV, or, well, in Chicago, it was pretty much the biggest media that was there was TV. Yeah. Uh, we just tune that out. We're there for the comics. We want to hear what's going on with the with the publishers and yeah, and look for books that suddenly went five <laughs> times in fucking value because I'm a genius. You'll you'll find them. I I feel good about your chances. Uh, I'll talk to the, <laughs> I'll talk to the, to the local comic store owner and uh, hopefully some of the Suicide Squad buzz will have dropped by the time Boston Comic Con starts in three months. But all right, do we want to talk a little bit about the panel? And I don't want to yeah. go. Heavily into the panels because, yeah, uh, I have tomorrow off from the day job. It turns out partially to continue uh, recovering from this stomach bug, but also I've got, yeah, three or four hours worth of panel audio to go through and and pull clips from. And there is some really excellent, when when we can get that up, there are some really excellent remarks made by the, the panelists for both of the panels that we got to. So, oh, definitely. There was really some interesting stuff. So, I'm really looking forward to doing our recap show at this point. I'm guessing it's going to be Tuesday, but we may still be able to get to it tomorrow, depending on how quickly I can cut this stuff together and how and functional I, how functional I am after going to my day job after this whole convention whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, whirlwind. that's that's the funny thing. It, we are at the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office 
uh, doing this in the living room on our mobile studio rig just because it was literally, all right, do we want to set up the entire studio? No, I don't have the energy to go up there and wire everything together. Let's just let's just do the mobile stuff. And so that's why, you know, no pithy sound effects or anything on this particular show. Don't but worry, those will be back. They'll be back Monday or Tuesday, <laughs> but actually maybe not cuz I may have to fill every cart deck with <laughs> with audio from panels. But I trust I trust that you'll come up with a a solution. I I always figure something out <laughs> somehow, but all right, so yeah, the the first panel we went to yesterday, uh, like we said, was the Marvel Secret Wars uh, last, days. last days. So it was, excuse me, it was particularly about the uh, the various Last Days series of particular characters, yes, showing what they do before. You know, they they keep saying this is not a reboot, but <laughs> we were we basically had confirmed in this panel, you know, yeah, absolutely, uh, everything in the Marvel universe will be destroyed completely. There is no, there are no planets. There are no universes. There is no cosmos. There is battle world. Yes. Which I don't know. uh, (laughs) That sounds like a fucking reboot to me. Yeah. But but yeah, it it shows what they, they do with the last day. And that was, it was a pretty packed panel. Um, had uh, Nick Lowe, one of the editors, uh, I'm just sort of going from notes here. Uh, Dennis hopeless, Dan slot, Dan Slott was interesting to me. It's the first time I've ever seen him in Live, person. Yeah, uh, but you and I both follow him on Twitter. Yes, and whenever he posts the, the pictures of him with celebrities doing the Spidey thwip hand yeah. motion, he just has this impish, almost childlike grin on his face. I, I always pictured his voice almost like <laughs> like Jay Leno. It's like, oh, hey, everything's neat. Yeah, get a picture. No, he's got this, you know, booming. I have your mother voice. <laughs> just this this booming big man New Gravitas. York voice. Yeah, it was it was jarring to hear just based on how the dude looks. But um, yeah, uh, Charles Sewell was there, and, and he was kind of surprising only because you know when he's at home, he's a lawyer. Yeah. And he looks like a lawyer. He does. But my God, the enthusiasm he had when he was talking about you know, Inhumans and the stuff he's working on. Yes. You know, he's just clearly, and I suppose if I had to deal with lawyers every day and I got to go home and play around with Black Bolt, you know, I'd, I'd be happy <laughs> as a pig in shit too. They'd yeah. be like, oh, really? I could take a day off from the practice to go to Chicago and talk to fans about superheroes? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that sounds all right to me. Start um, wishing I had Black Bolt's powers. Settlement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Ryan Stegman was there. And Al Ewing, who has become one of my favorite Marvel writers. I really like Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. Yes. I was shocked after a couple of years of reading him writing New York street lingo. I was that dude is as English as spotted dick. <laughs> I had no idea, not a clue. But so, um, so yeah. I mean, what were, what were some of the the high points of the panel? Um, yeah, again, I don't want to go in too much detail because we're gonna nitpick and have you know the words out of the actual horse's mouth in the next day or so. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> one of the things that you and I were talking about uh, that really sort of struck was was. Dan Slott, how he just flat out was trying to separate Secret Wars from Convergence. 
Yes. And saying, we have had this planned and have known that this was coming since... The the Since, first days of Jonathan Hickman yeah. on Avengers. That is that was an that was a talking point that reverberated through several of the Marvel panels. And I say that based on some of the things I, I've seen in Newsarama's coverage of the other panels we didn't get to. Well, and as a marketing point, it makes sense because yeah, convergence convergence has become this other thing. But when it was first announced, it was really just sort of a yeah, here, here's a way that we can get comics out while we get all our shit together and somebody tries to hook up the internet out yeah. in, uh, where are they, Anaheim, Burbank? I always forget. But California. California. But, and now it has become this soft reboot. <laughs> so at, at exactly the same time as Secret Wars, but it's just, <laughs> but the, the dichotomy of, oh yeah, it's not this, it's this other thing that is still everybody on a single planet fighting for their existence. Yeah. Which is somehow not a reboot, even though we've destroyed everything. And here's the mechanism we're going to use to recreate the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, which is one interesting thing we found out. Uh, apparently, uh, yeah, the uh, the Kree and so, all the cosmic heroes uh, apparently are going to be... Conveniently... Well, well they're not going to be wiped out. The cosmos, the, the place where cosmic heroes live, is going to be destroyed. Yes. But... Yeah, what did he say? That Conveniently, all of the, the big characters from the Marvel Cosmic Universe that you would care about have found themselves on Earth as the incursions are happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's what they're saying. Whenever one of the universes from the multiverse collides with another universe, it's called an incursion. And and then it, it turns into a, which which universe remains standing yeah. afterwards, which is leading up to there'll be just the Marvel Universe, 616, and the Ultimate Universe... And and yeah, and to credit what Slot said and what everybody's been saying, this mechanism has been going on really from the beginning of Hickman's run on yes. New Avengers. So uh, yes, moving in this direction has been going on for forever. It's just it's but it, but he also took it to the point of and because we we were specifically there for these last days stories, um, because. Hickman put it out there and and the rest of the Marvel writers and editorial were on board with the vision. The writers involved with Last Days have had a great deal of time to think about and give closure to these characters that they've been working with. So that's that was part of of the talking points that were being put out there quite quite vehemently. Well, <laughs> which again is smart marketing because yes. yeah, there there is a certain element it feels like as a reader to convergence suddenly becoming this much bigger thing, which was originally supposed to be, okay, we'll give everybody their characters for a couple months and we'll bring some people in to do books, you know, yeah. again, so we can find where the toilets are <laughs> and hope that Diane Nelson is better than Ike Perlmutter and will hopefully give us more than one. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, and the the interesting thing, which which got me literally when I got home today to email my local comic store owner and ask him to put Silver Surfer on my polls. I've been grabbing it on and off, but I'm not the world's biggest Silver Surfer fan. And well, while it's I, it's a very interesting story, but it's it's also a very sort of personal kind of. I hesitate to say goofy, but it's it's well, it's got some humorous elements to it. It's Dan Slott writing Doctor Who without using Doctor Who. Oh, exactly. It's, it's, he doesn't even <laughs> deny it, and yeah. there's no reason to. That's exactly what it is. So it's if if you're if you're not 
into Doctor Who type stories. It's yeah, not it, necessarily going to be your cup of tea. I, I like Doctor Who. I'm not the world's biggest Doctor Who fan. I'm not the world's biggest Silver Surfer fan. So it's always sort of been catch as catch can. But apparently, all of all of the cosmos in the Marvel universe is I universe <laughs> I universe uh, universes. Okay, cool. <laughs> but it's all destroyed except for the Silver Surfer, and the Surfer is imbued with the task of recreating the Marvel Universe, basically. Well, the universe, whatever the universe is, in the void with Dawn, they are, they are supposedly the last ones there, except that it turns out they're not alone, and so the mystery becomes who's in the void with them. I think it's four Bushmen. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, I just reread Next Wave. What do you want from me? <laughs> But it's it sounds interesting, and the, and apparently, yes, the Don Greenberg companion character is after the surfer to to let her recreate Earth. Yes, except she's except with the surfer never left Staten Island or Long Island or, or Long Island, Anchor wherever Bay, the, wherever the hell Anchor Bay is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, yeah, that her struggling to recreate an Earth with just that limited viewpoint. So it sounds pretty interesting. So that went on my polls just this is just because of that panel. An awful comparison, but I'm just thinking about it in terms of, oh God, what if Snooky was tasked with recreating the Earth? <laughs> I hate you and everything you stand for. That I have to think about that right now. But yeah, you know, just in terms of you know somebody with a, a limited worldview. <laughs> Every bar is now legally also a toilet. <laughs> Stripper poles for everyone. Oh Jesus. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I'm going to read that with a completely different eye now. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I have to think like this. You ruin things. I do. I'm a ruiner. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so, yeah, so briefly, uh, what are they, uh, who is it? Uh, I think Dennis Hopeless was talking about uh, what he's been doing with Spider-Woman, and you pointed out it was kind of interesting. He was saying, yeah, Spider-Woman... Has and this has been established because I've read at least one of the the recent issues. Has, wants to get away from all the Hydra Avengers stuff and just fight street level crime. Yeah, and got a new costume to be more effective at fighting street level crime. And that'll go on for about three issues, and then she'll be on fucking Battle World <laughs> fighting Nova or some Something. fucking thing. <laughs> um, what was uh again just off the top of the head because again we're gonna have a Punisher. ton more detail in a couple days Punisher sounds awesome I mean I, I was a huge huge fan of the Greg Rucka run of Punisher and um it's hopeless writing it now I think so yeah I, and he's done a very different take on it it's it's been um smaller more um you can't really it's it's it, Punisher's been on a road trip. <laughs> Yes, he has. So it's sort of taken it out of the the gritty urban environment and into you know various drug wars, and he's had brushes with Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, he's gone across the border. The Howling Commandos have been there. It, it, so it's it, it was a very different take on it, <laughs> but still quite enjoyable. And when he was asked, you know, so what does Last Day's storyline mean for Punisher? Um, the response was. A lot of people are going to die. <laughs> yeah, he's going to kill a lot of people. And and so to to see the violence get ramped back up to eleven, I will be an interesting take on on where the story has been going. 
Yeah, because one of the things I've liked about the most recent Punisher run is, and it's something Rucka never did, and not very many people beyond Mike Barron, and Mike Barron only did it with one guy, Microchip, but sort of the idea that Punisher has army buddies. Yeah. You know, people that he knew from the military that he can talk to and call on, which is something that makes complete and total sense, but I've never really seen it before in anything that I've read, so it's been kind of a cool Yeah. Element. Yeah. So if Punisher's going to go on a rampage, is he going to burn those relationships? Are they going to help him? I suppose if you see the sun catch fire, all right, fuck it. Let's burn off this ordinance because it's just going to sit in my doomsday bunker. Let's reach out to all of our old army buddies now for this giant road ta- road trip to destroy crime and drug cartels because the world is ending. And I'm not going to have a chance to reach out to them again. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Some of us would just get drunk and wait for the end to happen. But no. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else about that panel? Um. It just. It's always nice to to hear the the creators involved talk enthusiastically ab- about their properties. So, you know, now I'm I'm more interested in in picking up these because the way that Secret Wars is is going to work out is it's issues one through eight, and if you just read one through eight. You'll get the whole story. They always fucking say that, and that's never the case. I know, it but never then there's is. but then there's drill down. So then from there, there's Battle World, um, and that kind of gets into more specific stories that are tangents from that issue one to eight. But then Last Days gets even more personal with individual characters. So if you are interested in the drill down at the character level, it sounds like Last Days are the stories that you want to read to kind of augment. If you're if you're picking and choosing, not everybody can afford to buy all of the comics. We're fortunate that we can buy all of the comics. Well, Parker, the mascot, uh, doesn't want to go to college. Last time I heard, so yeah, yeah his college fund is going into long boxes and storage if it's worth less than twenty five dollars. But I, I think you know, for, from that perspective, if you're if you're a fan trying to figure out how to spend your money, yeah, which makes sense. It's it, yeah, whenever they say you just have to read the main title. That's how you know they're lying. It's it's just that simple. It never works that way. Everyone tries, but it's always oh this other plot point, you know that's really important that get it always gets played out in some other book. True. Um, the, the other thing that was interesting to me now that you know how everybody is just whole hog behind the Inhumans, but it's got nothing to do with Marvel Studios. Nobody works for Marvel Studios at these panels. It's just, we've all decided the Inhumans are the biggest thing, and Sewell's been doing decent stuff with, with the Inhumans. I, I I have not been able to get into Inhuman. You know, the first couple issues were not bad, but it didn't suck me in. Right. Um, the first issue of, what was it, Mighty Inhumans? Uh, Uncanny. Uncanny uh, Inhumans uh, was was pretty solid. But it's it's just the constant, you know. Oh no, Marvel Studios isn't driving what we're doing. Well, of course they're fucking driving what you're doing. It's yeah. the Inhumans are a big deal because Marvel is not Marvel without mutants, and you don't have mutants because Fox has mutants. So great, we'll do Inhumans. Yeah, and eventually we'll have an Inhuman with knife fingers, and we'll have an Inhuman that shoots lasers out of his face, well, or, or maybe out of his groin, just to make sure there's no lawsuit. Well, it's just it becomes. An interesting conundrum, and I I didn't get in line to ask a question because I, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. Um, but you spend all of this time bringing it down to, we're streamlining it to Battle World, and Battle World will be the only world that exists until it's in parentheses until such a time that it doesn't. <laughs> well, 
They're not going to put all the Marvel books in Battle World. Yeah. Um, but to, to say that, you know, what you're doing is is separate from the Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity, it, it is, but only up to a point. I mean, you read Uncanny in Human Zero, and it could be a tangential storyline that Coulson would have heard about and, and made reference to on the show. You know, they're in South America, and mercenaries are rolling through these little communities where Terrigen mists have rolled through to, to pick up in humans so that they can be given to this Uber corporation. <laughs> yeah. It's look, I, it makes sense that Marvel tailors their books up to a point to match what's happening in the Marvel cinematic universe. You're stupid if you don't do that. Yeah. It's I complain for years, golden opportunities to potentially have new readers now, if one person in 500 goes to see Avengers 2 and wanders into a comic store, it's a good thing to have a book that looks like what they just saw. Yeah. If only to get them interested in the storytelling form of comics. So it's it's a smart thing to do, but don't <laughs> don't bullshit us about it. Yeah. I don't mind it. What I mind is, oh, no, no, this has nothing to do with it. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> we don't work for Marvel Studios. Yeah, but you all work for Isaac Perlmutter, for Christ's sake, and you all work for Disney. Right. At the end, the orders come from the top and shit rolls downhill. And if they say you're going to do Inhumans, you're going to do it, and you got great people working on it, that's fine. But don't lie to me about <laughs> it, for Christ's sake. I'm not 12. Com- it's not 1978. Nobody who reads comics is 12. <laughs> Well, there was one kid at the panel who might have been 12. That's true. <laughs> he was the one that asked about the Inhumans movie. <laughs> yeah, so, see? Do it. That's fine. Embrace it. Just say, yeah, we would like it if one person in 500 who might come in actually walks out with a book. Yeah. So, I don't want to get into bitching about that. We'll have more to say about this as as we pull some of the gems from the audio. <laughs> yes. Um, we also uh, did get to the DC Batman panel. Which I wasn't even sure was the Batman panel because they called it Caped Crusaders, uh, Dynamic Duos, and Darkest Nights. Yes. Which at face value, it didn't have DC branding anywhere on the panel, <laughs> on the panel title. And it easily could have been, you know, a pile of Batman cosplayers for all we knew. I had to drill into it. It's like, oh shit, no, that's the, that's the one we want to see. Snyder tweeted that he was about to moderate a panel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was uh, Scott Snyder, uh, James Tinian the Fourth, Ben Templesmith, Brian Bucciolato. I always butcher that. Um, uh, and Patrick Gleason. Yes. And yeah, it's uh, you know, <laughs> well, I think we've talked about this before. And some but... guy named Fletch who was there to be the 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 wrangler in, oh, case, in case things got out of hand. <laughs> yeah, Snyder, Snyder was so gleeful that he got to moderate it, and he originally said, you know, originally I wasn't supposed to be anybody from D.C. here. I was going to go really deep. And, oh, <laughs> shit, we got a handler. But but we've, we've talked about this in the past, uh, and but we haven't talked about it within the scope of uh, C2E2. It's weird. I, I think right now, generally, I like Marvel books better than D.C. books, but when it comes to... if if you are at a convention and you've never been to one before and you have an opportunity to go to either a DC panel or a Marvel panel, almost to a one, and we've been to dozens of each, Yeah, the DC panels are more entertaining. The people presenting are more enthusiastic. It feels like there's less, you know, corporate rah-rah bullshit. 
They're just there to talk about the books, and they're having a good time. They're just more entertaining panels. We learned a lot at Secret Wars, and there were some fun moments. But the Batman panel, Snyder was just so enthusiastic. Yes. And we've talked about his enthusiasm at panels, but for him to be moderator, he was just having a blast. It reminded me of when Jeff Johns was really beginning to to hit and break out. I mean, he's always done solid work around Blackest Night, how excited he was around that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's also the only time we've been at a convention where the DC panels were bigger than the Marvel panels, yeah. just crowd-wise. So, yeah, he had to have been psyched, and that was fun. But, but yeah, it just the Batman panel was just was so much more fun. And Snyder, in particular, felt more just genuine- yeah, in the sense that, uh, look, they have to deal in this panel with the idea that Bunny Batman is coming out after yeah. Convergence. He he dealt with it with good humor. Yeah, he flat out called it Bunny Batman. He's like, yeah, I love it. Bat when Bunny. They, yeah, Bat Bunny. I love it when they call it Bat Bunny. But it, he gave a good five minute speech as to you know, look, here's why we did it. Um, we wouldn't do anything if we didn't think it would be an interesting story for you. He gave some legitimate justifications, uh, an analogy which really hit hard for you, which uh, I don't want to spoil now because we'll have that audio for the next yeah. show. But it's just, it, he felt like he was saying, look, I realize this looks a little weird, but you got to understand, it's going to be cool. And he also copped to, this is not going to be forever. Yeah. yeah so do, there's, there's no reason to get upset. And he compared it to Superior Spider-Man, which was another... Very similar. Oh, we're blowing up the character. Yeah, but we're not doing it for forever. We're doing it for a reason. Yep. And it just he was clearly enthusiastic about the idea and understanding that there's going to be a certain percentage of fandom, including us. We've bitched about it on previous shows that, oh, I, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. It looked, Batman has a gun. And in the panel, he even explained why Batman has a gun. It's it's Batarangs, folks. Yeah. Batarangs. So, everybody, everybody, be cool. Yeah. Just be cool. Everybody be cool. <laughs> We would normally play this clip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to YouTube, uh, look up Clooney in uh, Dust Till Dawn. That's right. Yeah, do your own goddamn production work. I can't do it all for you. I'm tired and I might have to go to the bathroom again soon, goddammit. But no, Scott Snyder, um, in in terms of how he framed the choices he made for the Bat Family books and, and that he was very honest with the other writers about... If you feel like you have a better story, I want you to tell that story. And everybody chose to support him. Yeah. Uh, just the level of of enthusiasm, passion, and overall eloquence and empathy for the fans. Yeah. Uh, in in how he delivered his message was really great to see it. And it, I've. As much as I've been hot and cold on books from the big two, I've been trying to stick with the Bat books. And it sort of, for me, was re energizing to to hear him talk about that. Yeah, it was it was a really enjoyable panel. And uh, we're going to have some really good audio from it for you in a couple of days. Um, yeah, because he, he went into some reasonable detail. <laughs> it was funny. The the one thing that got me was he asked one of the panelists, I forget which, it's like, well, do you want to talk about this thing that's coming up? And he said, no, I'd rather you did it because you're less likely to get fired. <laughs> just flat out saying, you know, yeah, you're sort of driving this. And, yeah. But it was it was just a fun moment. And he uh, and I, I, I wish I'd gotten my hand up earlier. Uh, he brought issue. Uh, Snyder brought issue 40. <laughs> yeah. The, the end of end game. 
which I have been certainly not quiet about saying I think he's fucking up the Joker and he might be losing me. But he he let one lucky fan of the audience, it was the guy sitting right in front of me, <laughs> read it. <laughs> Um, and, and that individual seemed more than happy and satisfied with, with the results. So, um, there, there was some genuflection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't have audio of that because Snyder asked him, Hey, how'd you like it? And he just sort of shook his head and yeah, did the, did the Wayne and Garth, we're not worthy <laughs> hand motion. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Uh, we've been to enough panels. I recognize marketing bullshit and you Let's face it, with almost all of them, be them, you know, big two or it's all marketing bullshit. That's that's what it is. Yeah. You know, we have our target audience in front of us. Let's get them hyped up. It, my confidence that he has reasons for doing all this and that he, he at least thinks it's the right thing and he's not fucking around for the sake of fucking around was really somewhat restored by being at that panel. Yeah. He's clearly passionate about it. Which goes a long way. If if he makes the Joker a firmly no questions asked, yep, he's been around forever. He and I are gonna have a problem. But but again, I come back to to the the empathy piece, and and you can't fake that. Yeah. Um, certain other individuals, uh, say Dan Slot, <laughs> um. And I, I get it. When you're on social media and you're taking a lot of shit about your creative choices, it can be really easy to get defensive and to just decide, no, this is my line in the sand and, and fuck you and fuck you and fuck you. <laughs> um, you didn't get that sense from from Scott Snyder. He he went the opposite route of I get where you're coming from and I, I can I can put myself in your shoes and please just work on trusting us yeah well let's be fair in person i didn't get that sense from dan slot no dan slot was clearly had a similar enthusiasm to me yes how somebody is on social media and how somebody is in person they're two totally different animals Uh, i agree up to a point I, i think um however if you if you are on social media and you're using that to engage with fans I would hope you would feel it would be in your better interest to work on trying to partner with them and have a conversation about choices rather than inflame some. And I don't, I don't want to derail this conversation yeah. around this. Look, social media, Twitter in particular, is a shit show. You know, we're like, you know, we 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 have a podcast, but we're not celebrities. Nobody interacts with us on that basis. Yeah, if you're Dan Slott or or Scott Snyder or anybody who is not necessarily messing around with, but making changes for particular reasons to long-term beloved characters, you're going to get trolls. (laughs) How you interact with trolls, that's a difficult situation no matter how you do it. Are you going to, you know, they say don't feed the trolls. We've certainly seen certain things on Twitter that I I ain't going to even mention cuz yeah, <laughs> I don't want to deal with the fucking trolls. Right. The, do, do you ignore them? Do you engage with it? Social media is not reality. It just isn't. How no, you are on social it, media is not how you are. You can make the argument, "Oh, that's your deepest most personal because you think you're anonymous." And well, yeah, maybe, but it it's not reality. It just isn't. No. Granted panels are not reality either. But to be able to look somebody in the face and hear the tone of their voice is much different than 140 characters. 
So it, I, I understand your point about Dan Slott and his social media presence. Mm-hmm. I think he had just as much enthusiasm in the panel as Snyder did. He was just as engaging. But yeah, it's <laughs> but it's the same way I, I had the image of his voice of, oh, yeah, yeah I, I killed Peter <laughs> Parker. Fuck it. It's, <laughs> his, his voice being that way, that's not how it is in reality. No, and, and also in terms of how he comported himself reportedly in the in the in the convention staying at his his signing like 2 hours longer than he needed to he's clearly there to 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 you know um embrace his fandom and i that's that goes a long way yeah it's it's perfectly fine to think he's not dealing with trolls correctly on social media but yeah social media is not reality you know, when he when he gets on a soapbox about things that I don't care about or don't agree with. Eh, you know what? Uh, I I can scroll past it. He'll talk about Spider Man again eventually. <laughs> so, valid point. Valid point. So, yeah, and unfortunately, we didn't get to, you know, really any panels after that. There were one or two I wanted to get to. It was just I was feeling under the weather and had to get back near a friendly toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, you know, and our our last night in Chicago, my authentic chicago dinner was a cup of macaroni and cheese because again i thought it would spackle things that needed spackling felt like an asshole but and we had to crash our own so um but yeah it's we even though we didn't get to everything that we wanted to get to we still have a ton of great audio for you that again i'm going to spend most of tomorrow up in the uh, up in the studio cutting it together with you know parker the uh, crisis on infinite midlives podcast mascot frantically clawing at me because god he's had separation anxiety since we've been gone yes but he's actually done a nice job uh here in the living room not meowing yes (laughs) that was part of the other reason we just said let's set up the mobile studio down here the last thing we wanted to do was go in a room and close him out he might lose his last neuron yeah so yes there's a possibility we will have that episode for you tomorrow uh but it's probably more likely it will be tuesday probably at about 10.30, uh, which would be Wednesday, 2.30, Greenwich Mean Time. Yes. I've at least learned the Greenwich Mean Time difference between <laughs> when we publish and, uh, yeah, whatever. Me, time, not good. <laughs> so uh, anything else just sort of for a, a Saturday recap? Um, No, just a, a good time was had by, by us. Um, I, I wish we could have stayed longer. I I would totally go back. Yeah, it's a like I said, we are uh, Amanda and I are trying to figure out if you know. Again, our our first love is always going to be San Diego, and we're a small operation. We only have a certain amount of money to do some of these things, but we're trying to figure out. Okay, if we can get San Diego, can we also get C two E two? If we plan it a little better and decide earlier on, because amazingly, when you book flights less than three weeks ahead of time, <laughs> a little more expensive than if you know it's coming for a while ahead. Yes. So yes. So yeah, it's, it was good enough. We'd we'd like to do it again, and we will if we can. Yep. But we'll we'll have a ton more detail on the actual news and, and a lot of cool audio. You'll you'll be able to hear how Scott Snyder sounds. Yes. Because he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, and that fucks me up every time I see him. <laughs> All right. So why don't we wrap it up? Okay. All right. So. Yeah, again, uh, just another short show. We'll have a ton of detail and stupid sound effects and cool panel audio in a couple of days. But this has been episode 66 of the uh, Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and uh, derp. Derp.